Welcome to the Fasting Well podcast. This is episode number seven. And today I'll be going a little more in depth about the topic of real food, what it is, why it matters, and how focusing a little bit more on real food can be beneficial to your health and to my health. Now, this obviously isn't exactly about fasting, but I will mention some things about fasting as it relates to eating real food and just some other things about how it's good for health in general. So I'm not perfect about eating real food, and I'm sure you're not either. Basically, nobody is these days. But by taking at least some baby steps or making some small improvements, I think it can be really impactful. And it's, as I put it in a previous episode, it's kind of a prerequisite to if you're trying to have the best health that you can, then this is a fundamental step to take kind of even before you would do any fasting. Now, you can do fasting at the same time. You can do them concurrently, but this is maybe an even more basic or fundamental initial step. So I've been thinking for a while about unprocessed foods and why they matter, or in other words, real food. And I even wrote a blog post about it back in, I guess it was either July or August, so a few months ago. But even more recently, I also read a book. It was called Food, What the Heck Should I Eat? by Dr. Mark Hyman. So he's a a recognized functional medicine doctor who's written many best-selling books. And this one in particular was kind of a tour de force about all the different categories of food and what the evidence says about each one, about kind of what we should eat and shouldn't eat within each category. But something that he harped on repeatedly throughout the book was how eating, quote-unquote, real food was basically the main step, the most important thing that would fix a lot of the health problems that people are facing. And as he explained it throughout the book, it made a lot of sense to me. And so since then, I've been emphasizing this topic a little bit more. So let's go ahead and get into it. I'm going to talk a bit about what is real food and what are some examples of both real food and the opposite, or in other words, processed food or junk food, and what the biggest defenders are, the biggest things to try to avoid if possible, and why why those things matter so much. And then I'll talk about some of the specific health benefits that come from making this kind of change or transition, and then some practical tips or, or steps that you can take to do that. I'll also share a bit of my own experience about a recent experiment I did where I went for six weeks and made a commitment to try to only eat unprocessed food throughout those six weeks. So what is real food? Well, when I talk about real food, I mean things that are fairly unprocessed or in their whole state, like whole foods. And I think the easiest rule of thumb is probably just to think about what would your ancestors from 500 years ago recognize as food? Because there's a whole bunch of packaged processed stuff or fast food stuff that they would have no idea what it is until you explained it to them. So anything that they wouldn't recognize, is that's a huge red flag. So that's probably the easiest, simplest rule to think about. And if it comes in a box with a barcode, that's generally a really bad sign. There's very few things that come in boxes that, are, that would be considered real food. So here's a list of what I would consider real, whole, unprocessed food. And this might not even sound like that long of a list, but that's because it's categories. So within each of these categories, there's a bunch of um, additional specific food items. So here's the list. Vegetables. Fruits, not juice or smoothies, but fruit, legumes, nuts, seeds, meat, fish, poultry, eggs, and whole fat dairy without the fat being removed. 
So that's basically the list, and it probably doesn't cover everything, but it covers the majority of things that you could find pretty easily that would fall into the category of real or whole or unprocessed food. So switching gears, let's talk a little bit about what doesn't qualify as real food. And Dr. Hyman, in that book I mentioned a couple minutes ago, he used the phrase food-like substances. And so really, all the things that are not real food, they're food-like substances. And really, that's, if something is not actually food, but it's kind of like an imitation of food, that's probably not the best thing to be putting into our body on a regular basis. So first, before I get into more specific examples, why is processed food a problem? Because I think, I think this is kind of the crux of the matter is, why does it even matter? Why should we even be thinking about this? Well, for one thing, processed junk food is everywhere. Literally on almost every street corner, at least around where I live, you'll see either a fast food restaurant or a convenience store. And so it's everywhere. And the types of food, they've literally been engineered to be addictive, to make us want more and more and more. These things that crush up in our mouth in just such a way that, that they're so, you know, hyper palatable is the word, uh, but just so appealing and so, you know, just hard to resist. And then when we start eating more and more foods like that and giving more and more foods like that to our children, I think that's the number one driver of childhood obesity, which is on the rise, not only during COVID, but even before that, it was, you know, fairly substantial. And it's also a major driver, I would say these types of processed foods that I'm going to list off in a moment, are a major driver of obesity in general, including adults, but also high blood sugar and high insulin levels that I've mentioned in some previous episodes. In other words, diabetes and everything related to diabetes, like prediabetes and all the other conditions that you're at a higher risk of when you have diabetes, like heart problems and strokes and many more. So basically, if we were to take the processed junk food out of our diet, we would pretty much solve all those problems. Not 100% maybe, but like 90 or 95% of those types of health problems that are super common nowadays would probably go away if we abolished all junk food. So what do I mean by junk food? Junk food sounds a little harsh, uh, but it's actually a pretty broad category of what people eat nowadays. So I think there are two two categories that are the most important within the broad category of processed junk food. So number one is things that have processed sugar, refined sugar, or any other sort of refined carbohydrates. And one reason that I lump sugar and carbs together in this is because, as David Ludwig puts it, and he's a researcher at Harvard, he's been quoted as saying, below the neck, your body doesn't know the difference between sugar and carbs. Or in other words, between a soda, and a piece of white bread, let's say. Below the neck, your body doesn't know the difference because either of those quickly turn into glucose in your bloodstream because the bread is chains of glucose and the sugar is sucrose. I mean, the soda is sucrose, which has glucose and fructose. But either way, there's going to be a big spike in your blood sugar if you eat a piece of white bread or cornflakes or a Pop-Tart or if you drink a soda or literally eat spoonfuls of sugar, all of those have a fairly similar end result. And that's that they spike your blood sugar and they cause your insulin to rise, spike your insulin. And whenever your insulin's high, you're in fat storage mode. It promotes fat storage. And in the long term, if you do that a lot, 
then your insulin stays high, and that's called insulin resistance, where it stays high because it's not working as well in your body. And that insulin resistance is at the root of many, many chronic health problems, probably most of them. So what are some examples of processed carbs? Because sometimes people do ask me, what do I mean by processed carbs? Well, I would say things like white bread, cereal, pasta in most cases, it's usually highly refined, tortillas in most cases, crackers, potato products, any potato product practically, like chips, french fries, etc. White rice, juice, soda, candy, desserts. So it's a pretty long list. And if you take a minute to think about it, we spend a lot of time eating stuff like this. Because, for example, pizza usually has white bread as the base, or a hamburger has that white bread as the bun. Or side dishes for many things at restaurants include french fries or other potato products and things like that. So it's a really long list, and most cultures have some version of this. For example, certain cultures eat a lot of rice, which is usually white rice these days, or certain cultures eat a lot of tortillas, which are usually highly refined these days, or, or a lot of bread, obviously, would be another one. So I would say processed carbs, including processed sugar, are the number one offender that causes the most harm or the most damage to our health. There's another important category that I'll mention more briefly, and that's refined vegetable oils. I think that is the number two offender, the thing that causes the second most damage to our health of the, the types of food that we eat. But it's, it's kind of under-recognized. People don't think about it as much. And honestly, I didn't think about it as much until about a year and a half ago. I went to a conference, and they talked about a whole bunch of things at this conference. But one of the lectures specifically was kind of painting the picture of when processed or refined vegetable oils came into the diet and how that correlated with the higher rates of diabetes and obesity. And, and it was, you know, it was a correlation thing. And so it wasn't like proving that that was the main cause or anything, but it just got me to thinking about it. And then I've researched a little bit more about refined vegetable oils and how they're made and kind of what's in them. And the bottom line is that any sort of vegetable oil, if it's labeled as vegetable oil, that usually means soybean oil, but also other similar ones like canola oil or corn oil or sunflower oil, safflower oil, rapeseed oil. There's a long list of these seed oils or vegetable oils. Usually when they're made, they're made at a very high heat, and the oils become oxidized, and a bunch of other toxic chemicals are produced. And so ultimately, they're pretty toxic, and they're pretty bad for our health. And then if you go to a restaurant and you get something that's fried at the restaurant, it's usually fried in one of these types of refined vegetable oils, so they heat it again and again, and that produces even more toxic substances. So there's, it includes carcinogens and just other things that are really bad for our health. So there's kind of a junk food formula that I've noticed, which is anything that has refined sugar, refined flour, and refined vegetable oils is kind of the epitome of junk food. It can't really get any worse than that. If you go look at the ingredient list on a snack cake or a cookie at the store, that's pretty much what the main ingredients will be. So that is something to keep an eye on. Now there are other things that don't quite fit that formula, like potato chips, because potatoes take the place of the refined flour and sugar and become the dominant processed carb, the type of processed carb that's in that food. But otherwise it's the same because it'll still have a processed vegetable oil as the type of fat that they use to make the potato chips in almost every case. So backing up just real quick, I think juice, juice and smoothies deserve a special mention because some people some people still hold on to the idea and maybe maybe you're one of those people and I, I'm sure I used to be one of those people 
some people still think that juice is good for them. <laughs> so I have to laugh for a second because I'm sure, I'm sure some of the people that listen to this are among those that think that. But I'm here to tell you that juice is not healthy. <laughs> and that's because the main thing that happens with juice is you get a whole bunch of sugar. So it spikes your blood sugar like crazy. And you get a lot more sugar from juice than you would from eating the, the whole fruit. And that's because you take multiple pieces of fruit to make the juice, but also because the, it's processed and crushed to get the juice out, to get the sugar out. And then a lot of stuff is left behind, like most of the, what they call the food matrix, the stuff that surrounds the actual juice and sugar in the fruit, as well as some of the vitamins and the fiber and, and all those things. So drinking juice is definitely not a healthy plan in most cases. And smoothies are a little better because at least you still have some of the nutrients and some of the fiber. And sometimes you mix in some things like nuts or peanut butter or whatever that would slow, the, slow down the digestion somewhat. But smoothies are still definitely not ideal. <laughs> so in general, it would be better to just eat the fruit than to crush it up or blend it up or, ju or to juice it. So now that I've spent quite a bit of time talking about what is junk food, what makes it up, what to watch for, let's talk about some of the benefits if you were to take some of those processed foods and replace them with unprocessed foods. So things that I listed earlier like fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, meat, fish, poultry, whole fat dairy, and a few others. Um, but all those kind of whole unprocessed foods, what happens when you take the junk food and replace it with some of those things? Well, here's what I think happens in general. You smooth out your blood sugar and your insulin levels. So you take away a lot of those blood sugar spikes that you would normally get. And in the long run, you make yourself less likely to have insulin resistance and diabetes and all the complications and other health problems that come along with those. It also makes you less likely to have cravings. In other words, when you avoid the blood sugar spike, you also avoid the crash that comes afterwards. Because when you eat something with a lot of sugar or processed carbohydrates, then your blood sugar spikes and then comes crashing down. And I read a whole book about this a few years ago. It's called The Always Hungry Solution. I think that's the title. And the whole point of it was if you're eating things that spike your blood sugar and then come crashing down, then, then you'll be always hungry because every time it comes crashing down, your blood sugar goes just a little bit below the regular baseline, just a little bit low, not, not dangerously low, but enough that you kind of feel it. You feel like, oh, I need to eat something because my blood sugar is a little low. You don't think those words probably. You just think, oh, I need to eat something. And then you go back and eat something similar, like some crackers to remedy the situation, and what happens? Your blood sugar spikes again, and then about an hour later, after it comes crashing down, you get hungry again. So it smooths out, if you replace some of these processed foods with unprocessed foods, it smooths out hunger and reduces the amount of cravings that you have for anything, really, but for junk food in particular. And you'll stay full longer because whole foods or unprocessed foods have more fiber, they have more healthy fats, and they have more protein in general as well. And so all those things tend to stimulate satiety and also make it so your stomach stays full longer and doesn't empty out as quickly. And in the end, by doing that, fasting is quite a bit easier, especially if you're talking about short-term daily fasts. It's a lot easier to go a few extra hours without eating if you've been eating 
unprocessed foods because you have these nice smooth blood sugar and insulin rises and falls as opposed to that big spike and that big crash afterwards, which just makes it hard to go more than a short time without eating. So recently, I was thinking a lot about processed versus unprocessed foods, and I had just come back from a vacation, and so I decided to do an experiment. And basically, the experiment was, let me go six weeks and eat only unprocessed foods, and I'll see what happens. You know, what, what kind of difference can that change alone make in my health? And so I, I made a commitment, and I did it for at least six weeks. It was back in about July of 2021. and what I noticed was basically that my energy levels were more steady. I didn't get hungry as often or feel as many cravings because I would stay full for a long time because there was a lot of fiber in some of the things that I was eating. So that helped keep me full. It was also pretty easy to do time-restricted eating, often called intermittent fasting, but just that daily shortening of the eating window. So that was, that was fairly easy to do because I just naturally felt like I didn't have to eat quite as often. And I wasn't trying to lose a lot of weight, but my weight was pretty stable and just went down a tiny bit because I had a couple pounds that I could lose at that point. So overall, I definitely felt like it was useful. And I feel like if somebody's in an even worse place with their health to begin with, like somebody, say, who's very obese or has very high blood sugar, maybe already has diabetes, or or any other kind of similar problems that are related to high insulin levels, like polycystic ovary syndrome or a lot of other ones, high blood pressure, for example. I think if somebody has more of those types of health problems, they would notice even more benefits to their health by switching out some of the junk food and eating more of the real food. And that's because it would help to smooth out their blood sugar levels and eventually help to normalize their blood sugar levels, most likely. And with a little bit of fasting, it would be an even faster improvement. And also things like blood pressure would improve and and of course, body weight, because it's hard, it's relatively hard to sustain morbid obesity without eating processed junk food. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible. I mean, some people have some real significant hormonal imbalances or other things, but overall, by eating real food, it's going to help smooth things out pretty quickly and get you moving in the right direction pretty quickly. And that includes weight management to a large degree. Referencing back to the book that, um, that I mentioned earlier by Dr. Hyman about food, what the heck should I eat? One of the things he talks about in there is food is medicine, and that's because food is information to your body. And so when you put in good, healthy food, unprocessed food, it causes some epigenetic changes. That means that it activates certain genes and causes different processes to happen versus if you're eating the processed food or you know, the junk food that causes different genes to get activated. And so it's not just the calories. It's not just the sugar. It's a bunch of other things that happen when you eat healthier food that also contribute to your improving health at that point. So that was a lot of information, but what can you do with that information? Well, I think the most important time to think about these things, to think about buying healthier food or less processed food, is when you're making your shopping list or when you go to the grocery store. And if you do that, and if you have that in mind while you're at the store, you can at least gradually try to switch out some of the less healthy things that are in your home currently and replace them with some more healthy things. A tip I heard a long time ago that still applies and and really applies pretty well to this situation is when you go to the store, most of the unprocessed foods that are healthier 
around the outside ring of the grocery store, all the way around the outside of the grocery store. So if you think about it, that includes produce, meat and fish, eggs, dairy, which again, whole fat dairy would be the unprocessed version. But it doesn't include most of the things that come in boxes with barcodes. The biggest red flag, one of the biggest red flags, is anything in a box with a barcode is usually very processed and it's just not going to be good for your health in the long run. There are some exceptions, but it's a pretty good rule of thumb. And anything in a bag with a barcode is usually not good either, but there are a few more exceptions to that, I think. So think about maybe doing your shopping around the outside of the store, or just think ahead about how can I buy more of the unprocessed type foods, or ask yourself, would my great-great-great-grandparents recognize this? Is this something that my body evolved on and knows how to process properly, or is it something that's going to spike my blood sugar or cause some other toxic, harmful effects like the, like the processed vegetable oils that I mentioned a few minutes ago would do? So think about how you can make a few changes in your home and mainly keep it in mind when you're shopping. And then obviously if your kids, if you have kids and if they're used to eating really processed food, like sugary breakfast cereal, for example, or Pop-Tarts, or cookies, or crackers, or potato chips, if they're used to eating all those things, there are going to be some growing pains. It's not going to be easy to just switch those out overnight. But you could try just replacing just one thing at a time. Maybe each week or each month, you replace one type of processed food that your kids are, eat, are used to eating and replace it with something that's unprocessed. And gradually, they'll get used to it, probably. And especially if you pick things that are relatively enjoyable to replace the, um, to replace the processed food. And in the long run, that's one of the best things that you can do for your kids' long-term health is to help them learn to enjoy unprocessed, real food. So let me go ahead and summarize this episode. It probably was a little longer than I meant it to be, but hopefully you found some value with the information. So I talked about what is real food, why does it matter, what benefits you can get from real food, and some specific things that I've done and what I've noticed when I tried to eat more real food. So unprocessed food or real food, some of the things to focus on if you're thinking about eating more of that would be things like nuts and seeds, fruits and vegetables, meat, fish, poultry, eggs, and whole fat dairy. That's not 100% of the list, but it's most of the common ones that you can easily find. The worst offenders when it comes to processed foods or anything that has processed sugar or refined sugar or any type of refined carbohydrate. So that includes a lot of types of bread, rice, potato products, sweets, other desserts, or drinks like juice and soda, for example, and several other things. But once you put on your detective cap and start thinking about it just a little bit, you'll pretty quickly be able to see how many things have some type of processed sugar or other processed carbohydrate in them. And then the second worst offender when it comes to processed junk food is vegetable oils like soybean oil, canola oil, or corn oil, for example, because many of those are produced at a very high heat and have a lot of toxic chemicals in them. It's hard to avoid these types of processed junk food because they're all around us. They're manufactured to be addictive, but because they are a major contributor or probably the main driver of obesity in children and adults, as well as conditions like diabetes, it's definitely worth it to try to make that change. Some of the benefits you'd get from eating more real food are smoothing out your blood sugar and insulin levels, having fewer cravings, not getting hungry as often, 
staying full longer, having e- having an easier time doing time-restricted eating, or in other words, eating a little bit less often, and also an easier time managing your weight. And if you are significantly overweight, it'll probably be easier to get that moving in the right direction pretty quickly if you were to switch out some of the processed foods with less processed foods. To get started with it, really think about this when you're going shopping and try to shop around the outside part of the store where most of the unprocessed foods live. And think about how you can gradually switch things out in your home to have more of the healthier types of food, especially for your kids, for their long-term health. Don't do it all at once because they'll probably get too much resistance, but maybe one type of food at a time, switch out one thing. For example, if they're used to eating a lot of potato chips, maybe you could start replacing that with carrot sticks. That's just one, one example, one idea, but there are a million other ways if you start brainstorming that you could make little changes, just one thing at a time. So I hope that was helpful. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you are finding some value in these episodes, please consider leaving a review. I know it takes a little bit extra effort to go and leave a review because often if you're listening to this, you're not in the place where you would do that. But if, you're, if you use Apple Podcasts, for example, and you already have an account on there, then it would probably only take you a few taps to get in there and leave a review. And if you use um, the platforms called Podchaser, which is a website, Podcast Addict, which is, an, which is an app, or CastBox, which is also an app. Those all have places where you can leave reviews or comments as well. So if you already have an account on any of those, please consider going in and leaving a review, since it would probably be pretty quick for you to do that. And that'll not only help me know if people are getting value out of these episodes or any feedback that you have, but it'll also help other people know what to expect in the podcast when they stumble upon it. Thanks again for listening. I really appreciate you being here, and I'll see you in the next episode of the Fasting Well Podcast. The Fasting Well Podcast is not medical advice and does not replace the need to consult with your own medical providers.